Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you happen to be, and thanks for joining us for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner. And today our topic is intuition in the fifth kingdom of nature. We're going to talk first about the nature, if you will, of intuition as a way to learn, uh, to understand, to recognize, to allow to be revealed to you. Intuition is very different from logical, deductive thinking. It's like Toto pulling back the curtain and, and the wizard saying, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Intuition seems to come already thought out already realized. I remember interviewing the author Joseph Chilton Pierce many years ago, the author of Crack in the Cosmic Egg and Bond of Power and Magical Child, wonderful author. He described intuition as thoughts that arrive full-blown. And I always thought, wow, what a great phrase that is, as if already thought up or thought out as if already figured out by some unconscious or subconscious process that is then revealed in a burst of awareness. Again, a visual person tends to experience this as light. It may be the dawning of an idea. It might be the light bulb popping on. Then again, you might be thunderstruck as if by lightning, depending on you know the impact of the realization. An auditory person might talk about the still small voice, which is always there, I would suggest, the voice of the higher self, the voice of your own indwelling soul. It's there, but it gets shouted down by the ego and all of its fearful voices competing for your attention. That's what's going on in your head. Again, a visual person tends to experience pictures and visions. An auditory person tends to experience voices talking to you, um, and many of them arguing. That's the problem with believing you are your thoughts. Your thoughts are arguing with each other all the time. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Do this. Do that. What about this? What about that? and demanding your attention. Well, you couldn't be that, right? There's nothing unified or singular about the experience. That's one of the wonderful values of meditation. If ever there was a panacea or a solution for all of our problems, it's contemplation, meditation, uh, mindful, detached, uh, witnessing of the thought process, which of course has feelings blended in with it as well. And when we learn a practice, a simple practice, but it needs practice, we're able by sitting still and breathing and relaxing and feeling safe to quiet those thoughts and they are reduced in number, fewer and fewer thoughts demanding your attention 
again, whether pictures and visions or sounds and voices. And the emotions become more calm and tranquil, more peaceful. And um, then the still small voice emerges or the curtain is pulled back and the light comes in. And you say, oh, I see. I get it. I understand. Let me tell you what I just realized. One of my favorite words to make real. The understanding (laughs) is what makes something real. Understanding is another word for consciousness or awareness or peace or love, for that matter. And it happens on a higher plane than that of the egoic self, the ego, to use Freud's word. Well, it turns out that we may have some help from upstairs, so to speak. There may be uh, higher planes of existence where consciousness dwells uh, with the express purpose of helping us. And we're going to talk about accessing intuition. And then we'll leave it to you to figure out where it comes from, but if I can at least introduce you uh, to uh, a means or a method, a system of accessing your intuitive self, then you're perfectly able to use it to begin to figure out where in the world is this coming from? Are these combinations and permutations of information that I already knew? and which is being conceived of on an unconscious or subconscious level until the pressure builds and suddenly it bursts through into conscious awareness? Or is this intuitive process more than simply recombining conscious or unconscious what I already know? Can I get new information? completely new information through my intuition. And if so, where in the world is it coming from if not through my physical senses, if not through my eyes, my ears, my (laughs) ability to smell and taste and feel tactily in my body and kinesthetically in my body? Where else would the information come from? Now that's what we're gonna that's where the fifth kingdom of nature comes in. And we'll talk about the kingdom of conscious souls, sometimes called ascended masters or, or the Great White Lodge. Okay. Um so again, that's the setup. That's what we're gonna talk about today. We will take your questions and comments by text and by telephone, and yet my first order of business is to give you a little two-minute taste of our premium audio program, which allows us really to do this mystery school absolutely free every Sunday. The newsletter is free. Uh, We have a free quotes book online. I'll tell you more about that later. Um, Let's see. Facebook people, if you're hooked up with me on Facebook, you probably already know about the pre-quotation book. Uh, 
what else? We have many articles posted on both of our sister websites, theagelesswisdom.com and focusedpassion.com. All of that is free because a few very wise women and men are subscribing for 99 cents, 99 pennies. Can't get much for less than a buck anymore to these studio quality premium audio programs and personal empowerment and human potential that Steve and I provide at focusedpassion.com. And so, because some of you are not yet subscribers, I want to give you a little taste of what you're missing. Because uh, if you like this, you're going to love the two of us. He's been my business partner for more than 35 years. And there's benefit of listening to the two of us in conversation. What I like to call compelling conversation. And we do relaxation and visualization exercises too. So uh, if you can, you know, set yourself up with a credit card, debit card, AT, those ATM cards work, you know. For less than $4 a month, you get an 80% discount. These programs are normally four ninety-five, basically 5 bucks each. But if you subscribe... For less than $4 a month, you get four of these premium audio programs, sometimes five, depending on the month. And uh, so that's $0.99 cents or less for these really premium. These are content-heavy, uh, and you're going to want to collect these programs and bundle them even into albums, Um very, very valuable stuff. Now, last week's program was about pain management, primarily about managing physical pain, and I talked at the beginning about using these skills at the dentist. But you won't hear it in this short two-minute clip, but we also talk about, near the end of the program, how to use the same kinds of skills, pain management skills, to accelerate healing, and to manage emotional pain and accelerate healing. All of that in this one program on pain management. So uh, let me get over here to the audio section, and I'll give you a little taste of last week's premium audio program from our sister site, FocusedPassion.com. Here we go. Man, oh man. To be able to manage pain in the dentist chair. I mean, even the dentist was impressed. And they see it occasionally. There's a lot of people that do it, but it's a relative number. It might be one in several hundred patients a dentist will see it. And for me, it became a kind of an anchor. I walked out of the dentist's office saying, wow, if I can do that, I don't mean tolerate the pain, you understand this as well as anybody, better than most. Not tolerate the pain, but really filter it. When we talk about pain control or managing pain, it's really filtering it. You just don't feel it. Right. You can actually take a great deal of what you call pain and eliminate it completely because 
much of what you experience as pain is not in the actual tactile receptor site. It's actually the brain amplifying the signal to get your attention. So it's so much of pain is not really there. It's just your mind making it there so that you make sure you do something about this thing. And once we understood that, I think we could take away most of what you called pain and bring it down to a level that it, at most was called discomfort. I know the, the time I experienced it, uh, in, including early experiences with the dentist, was when I was uh, uh, about 12 years old and I grew six inches in one summer. I had these amazing growing pains. You know, my mother would rub oil of wintergreen in my legs, you know, and this great pain. And I couldn't fall asleep because of all this pain. Well, I learned at that point from books that I'd read, uh, Leslie LeCrone's Self-Hypnosis was one of the, the primary books I remember getting this from, that I could actually take most of that pain and make it go away, enough so that it wasn't bothering me so much and I could fall asleep. And that's what I remember vividly. I was 11, 12 years old, and I remember vividly seeing this pain in my legs as being a thing, like saran wrap. You know, it was a saran wrap, and it was red, and it was sort of fiery red, and, and, and it was pushing on the muscles, and it was burning and pushing and stretching, and it, and it became alive. It became real for me. And with that concept, I was able to imagine quenching it, imagine, you know, making it go away, making it a change in its construction. If I can make it red, I can take it and make it cool off and become blue. I can make the fire go away and become snowflakes. I could, I could use my imagination and convince my mind that the part that it's causing me to amplify this thing and cause it pain, I can let that go. And that was a breakthrough for me. Okay, breakthrough for me too. <laughs> really amazing stuff. So there's a little sample of our premium audio series, Finding Yourself in Paradise. Again, 99 cents a week when you subscribe. There are no contracts. You can unsubscribe with a single mouse click and continue to have access through the built-in audio player on the website, focusedpassion.com, forevermore. You could, uh, I don't know why you would, but you could unsubscribe and resubscribe and unsubscribe again, uh, whatever your status, the programs that you've subscribed to or purchased from the archive, there's 180 programs in the archive. Those will always be in your built-in player. And we even have a real simple single-click way that you can send those programs onto your podcast folder in iTunes as well. Okay, I want to mention the free quotes book. I talked about that a minute ago. This is primarily a way for us to get new emails and discover new people. And you're already here, so chances are you're already getting the newsletter. But nevertheless, I'd like you to have this free ebook as a PDF file that is automatically downloaded onto your computer, but you're going to need to get a pencil or a pen and something to write on because you're going to have to enter this URL precisely to get the book. you gotta, you got to get this down exactly. So you got something to write with there? Have a sip of your coffee while you're finding a... If you're like me, I've got 20 ballpoint pens on my desk, none of which work. Ooh. They're all refillable, though. I don't want to throw them away. All right, here's the link to get your free quote book. More than 500 
inspiring human potential quotes. I call it creativity, confidence, and courage. I've sold it for years for $15 as an ebook. It's free to you. Again, thanks to the subscribers at Focused Passion, it's free. And here's the uh, address. You know the initial part. You got to get this in there. The HTTP colon slash slash. You got to get that part in there. There's no W's though. After the HTTP colon and the double slash, theagelesswisdom.com slash signup dot php like Paul Henry Paul. All right. Just put that in your browser, go to that address, and you'll come on to a hidden page on my website. Uh, it's all very obvious what to do. There's instructions, and uh, you're going to have to enter your first name and your email address and click through. You'll see a picture of the book, and then click on that. The instructions are all there, and it'll open up your download process. It's different on everybody's computer, but everybody's downloaded files at this point. And put the PDF right on your desktop. You can do with it whatever you want, um, even print it out. Again, it's HTTP colon double forward slash theagelesswisdom.com slash signup dot PHP, like Paul Henry Paul. Okay? And again, you know the deal. No spaces. You know how that works. Come on, help yourself to that. And then trundle on over to focusedpassion.com, the sister website. Check out the uh, excerpts on the splash page when you first go in. Click on the big button that says Get Free Sample Programs and at least set up a free account with your name and email address there as well. And you get six complete sample programs. Four of them, accelerated learning programs, you should really give to your kids. If you don't have kids, your neighbor's kids, give them to somebody. They come down as MP3s. They're easy to share. And uh, if you like what you hear over there, then subscribe for three ninety six a month. For some people, times are tight, but that's that's pocket change. That's nothing for programs that can make a difference in your life. You know, sometimes... I'm able to change somebody's life with this information in a single email. I had it happen this morning. Somebody was talking about struggling to find their purpose in life. And I it was actually a message inside Facebook. I wrote back to her. And she was blown away by a single paragraph. This is powerful information. And Steve and I have dedicated our lives to this. It's really... You know, the only thing we've ever done. It's People think of me as a radio talk host, but I had to have something to say, right? And what I've always talked about is human potential and our ability to accelerate our growth and create for ourselves success and fulfillment. And that's what this is all about. So if you like what we're doing here, 
be a participant in the premium audio program for less than a dollar a week, three ninety six a month. And then you have all of this valuable studio quality information you begin to collect. And also, I think, the good feeling of knowing that you're helping to support all the free services as well, like this program. All right. So with that, let's get to our topic here today. I'm going to look around and uh, see if we have a few more people coming in. Yeah, a couple extra people came in on the phone. And, uh, oh, we just doubled the number of people on the website. Okay, we'll have to do a program on being late. <laughs> See, that's why I don't put the meditation first. Okay, so welcome to the folks that have come in in the last few minutes. Again, our topic today is the fifth kingdom of nature and the nature of intuition. We'll talk about intuition a little bit first, and then introduce this idea of the fifth kingdom. There are essentially two ways to think. The first is logic. The second is intuition. And the former is the really only type of thinking that we're exposed to in most schools. Intuition is not taught. Creativity for that matter, is not taught. I was already out of college before it occurred to me that creativity was not limited to art. I thought creative people were people that painted or, or danced or uh, played music or something. I'd, the idea that you could be creative, for example, in science, that you could be creative as a physicist or creative as a mathematician or a creative biologist <laughs> never occurred to me until, again, I'm sure I was well out of college and sort of hit me one day intuitively like a ton of bricks, they say, right? A big light bulb experience came out. And then I became sort of irritated that in spite of what was a pretty darn good education that I had, right through bachelor's degree at a major university, Big Ten School, Michigan State, I was only taught logic, deductive, take-apart thinking, where you start with a concept a lot like algebra. Logic is a lot like algebra, where you factor or break apart uh, subtract, deduce. That's why it's called deductive thought. That's what logic is. It's subtracting what you don't want, factoring out whatever you can do without until you get down to what's left. And this is our approach to solving problems. If you have a household appliance that doesn't work, uh, you take it apart. If your car doesn't run, you open the hood and look inside and Start pulling stuff out to see what needs to be replaced. You know, the watch doesn't work. Well, today you throw it away. But there was a time when you took it to the watchmaker, and he or she would open it up and begin to take it apart. It's like ordering from a menu. I think this is a great example. People are under the impression 
that when they go to a restaurant and they're handed a menu, that they're looking for what they want. No, the process is actually deductive. You are eliminating what you don't want. And if somebody says, what's taking you so long? You say, well, I'm deciding what I want. But the process is to eliminate what you don't want until you get down to one or two or three things, and then you just sort of say, oh, the hell with it. I guess I'll have the chicken salad sandwich or whatever, right? So that's the only process most of us have available to us. Creative thought, conceptual understanding. How do we go the other way? See, what is creative thought? Inductive reasoning conceptual understanding. In other words, if I have many little details and I want to induce an overarching, not deduce, but induce an overarching concept, uh, a, a context, like the cover of the jigsaw puzzle box, what's the big picture here? What's the whole enchilada? Most people, even people with advanced degrees, are stymied. They have no idea. Nobody ever taught them the other way, <laughs> only to take things apart, not to put them together. And so the people who are successful in this area are people who figured it out, for the most part, who figured it out on their own. You may be fortunate to have had parents who honored creativity, inductive thinking, and intuition. You may have had a good teacher who along the way exposed you to this. Well, today might be your first exposure to the idea of complementing deductive logic with what we're going to call intuition. That sudden burst of awareness that reveals to you the big picture, the whole enchilada, okay? The gestalt, that's the German word for it, the OMG. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, right? Uh, again, it, it comes as light, which could be the dawning of a new idea, of the light bulb popping on, or getting hit by lightning. Uh, it may come to you as a quiet voice, but somehow you would have to learn to still, to quiet, to... to to tranquilize all of the other voices in your head that are competing for attention. So obviously relaxation, slow breathing, letting go of muscular tension, feeling safe. In other words, a meditation exercise is necessary to see the light before it bursts through because if you know that experience of eureka illumination, aha, I see, or I finally hear it, I get it, why wait for the pressures to build big enough so that it bursts through? What if it doesn't burst through? What if there's really valuable information that's on the verge of breaking through, but you're too stressed to see it or hear it? And you're hoping and praying that you, quote, get a good idea or figure out what to do, 
because I'm so confused, I don't know what to do. Wouldn't it be nice to access intuition on command? Well, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about using meditation, mindfulness, relaxation skills to convince your body that it's safe enough to slow down the thoughts, to quiet down, Fewer thoughts, fewer internal arguments in your head to calm the emotional nature as well so that we can access the intuition on demand. And then, anytime you're confused and don't know what to do, you'll have something to do. Wouldn't that be nice? Like stop saying, what should I do? And instead say, what do I want? <laughs> it's the first thing to change the question. How could you know what to do if you don't know what you want? And there's actually a question that's even more fundamental than what do I want? Which is, who am I? So that you have some insight into why you would want it. Why would I want this? So who am I is necessary to what do I want, which is necessary to, well, now what do I do about it? But again, if we're limited to logic, we don't even look at those two more important questions. It's just, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Hey, what do you think I should do? Well, what the hell do you want me to do about it? I don't know what to do. Of course not. Because we don't know what we want. We were told in school that if we knew what we want, the problem would be solved. They didn't tell us that many or most of our problems are problems where we do know exactly what we want. We've got the solution. We just don't know how to get there. You know, I know the solution. A million dollars. <laughs> Ten million dollars. That's the solution. Until you look at people that have $10 million and how odd they have problems money can't solve. Well, I need a bigger house. And you look at people who live in mansions and they have problems that mansions don't solve. Very curious. It's almost as if we're here to learn to solve problems. And logic is fine. Celebrate it. Be logical. Meditation and relaxation skills will help you to be more logical. But we also need to work in the other direction. If logic, be reasonable, be rational, right? Use the brains God gave you. If that's deductive in nature, from general to specific, breaking it down, intuition is specific to general. That's like, I have all these observed details, now I'm going to intuit or induce the big picture that explains, that unifies all these little details, that makes sense and orders all of these little details that are rattling around inside my head, driving me crazy. And as we talk about the fifth kingdom here in a minute, I'm going to have you consider that you have some help doing that. 
that the universe is structured in a way that power is always driven down at every level, which implies that you should be empowering people. But again, like the oxygen mask on the airplane, you have to put yours on first before you can help anybody else. So you've got to receive and stand receptive to your own intuition to receive that power so that you can then empower others in your life and drive that power down. A teacher of mine used to say, it is the downward and outward flow of spirit into matter that creates the inward and upward growth of consciousness. By driving power down, you lift yourself up. A little complex, but come on, it's not that difficult to understand. My wife, Doreen, used to explain it as being not unlike imagining yourself in the, in the bucket of a, of a deep well, you know, with a rope that goes up over the pulley. And if you want to lift yourself in the bucket up out of the well, you have to pull down on the rope to lift yourself up. That's the way power works in the universe. So what's available upstairs? Especially in the West, especially in the Judeo-Christian tradition, people will use prayer to petition, to ask for help, to hand up a laundry list, a shopping list. Hey, God, get me this and this and this. As if whatever orders the universe doesn't know what you need. You're going to have to send a shopping list up. But who waits for the answer? Who listens or looks? And maybe that's the nature of intuition. To stand receptive and open. Provided you're willing to create a quiet space and place. And feel safe enough to put your fight-or-flight mechanism on hold in abeyance long enough to concentrate, to focus your attention. Most of us are too stressed, too frightened to focus our attention. The brain, the subconscious mind, is interpreting all the stress and anxiety in our lives as potentially dangerous, and it's not going to let you concentrate or focus your attention or quiet down the fear-based voices to listen and to see the still, small voice. Recognize that the light bulb's trying to come on, trying to show you. The intuition is always available to you. And where it comes from, well, now we get to the whole idea of the fifth kingdom of nature. Now, there's several models in science of different kingdoms. Uh, I'm not going to name them all. You could do the Google work. Uh, there are models that talk about bacteria and viruses being in one kingdom and fungus or fungi being in another kingdom and mammals in a different The model I'm going to use is the common model, which is the mineral kingdom, the vegetable or plant kingdom, 
the animal kingdom and the human kingdom. This is a common model when we talk about kingdoms. You might remember from science, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. That's an even more technical breakdown of the kingdoms. Well, the kingdoms represent various levels of liberation. The least liberated or emancipated kingdom in the one life is the mineral kingdom. It's a pretty static kingdom. It's not even recognized as being alive by most material, empirical scientists. Even though some mountains are eroded while other mountains are being uplifted and created, you can see that in the United States. You have in the West the Rocky Mountains, the California Sierra Mountains that are growing. They're being uplifted by mountain building activity, pressures in the earth. Okay. But if you go over to the eastern side of the United States, the Blue Ridge Mountains, the Ozarks, the Appalachians, you'll find they're getting smaller and smaller. Indeed, don't have these craggy outcroppings like the Rockies or the Grand Tetons. They're buried in their own debris, and they're getting smaller. So you add then to that continental drift, the idea that the plates on the earth are floating and moving around, continental drift. When I was in college, it was a theory. It's pretty much accepted fact now. And it's measured. The plates move at about the same rate that your fingernails grow, about one inch per year. Then you consider the weather, for example. That's part of the mineral kingdom. And that's in constant change. Is it reproducing? Well, I don't know. It depends on your point of view. But that's the first kingdom. The second kingdom is a little more emancipated, slightly more liberated. That's the vegetable or the plant kingdom. And some plants reproduce in an asexual manner. Some are bisexual. In other words, there's a male and a female plant. The dance of insects the relationship, the lovemaking, really, of an insect and a flower, and the way bees and moths and flies and other insects pollinate flowers, and the reliance of the flower and the plant on the insect in the animal kingdom is beautiful and quite miraculous. You know, sex education used to be talked about as the birds and the bees, but people know more about human sex than the birds and the bees. <laughs> well, we, most people I know don't know anything about the birds and the bees. So the uh, plant kingdom, of course, has a relationship with the third kingdom, the animal kingdom. Also, in, uh, this is called symbiosis the need for the plant kingdom to take in carbon dioxide and generate, as a kind of a waste product, if you will, oxygen. Not only the plants on land, but most oxygen comes from plants in the sea, in the oceans, in the lakes. 
All right? That's very fortunate because animals need the oxygen and they exhale the carbon dioxide. That's a pretty smart system. That's pretty intelligent. And again, an inner reliance. But you can see the way plants uh, generate seeds and seed pods in a variety of ingenious ways that allow the plants to grow. The Hawaiian Islands are a great example. These islands bubble up out of the sea as lava. As seeds wash on shore, they get rooted on the beaches, and then they walk generation after generation up the hillside until you have plants all the way up at the top of the volcano, 10, 12,000 feet. How'd they get up there? Well, in some cases, maybe the wind blew them, but in other cases, they just walked up there by successive generations. So plants are obviously a little more liberated than the mineral kingdom. And then the animal kingdom, the third kingdom, is even more free. Uh, their animals are not rooted into the ground. Uh, they can fly, swim, and run, right? Or at least walk slowly or hop <laughs> or leap. And... Uh, I suppose there's permutations, too. The flying squirrel doesn't really fly. It glides. But you understand the animal is a little more liberated. But again, we have this symbiosis that we've already discussed. The animals need to eat the plants, and then they share the gases, the oxygen, and the, and the CO2. Really beautiful. So you can see each successive kingdom that evolves out of the previous kingdom First, there was just the mineral kingdom as the planet cooled. That gave rise to the plant kingdom. The plants gave rise to the animals. And out of the animal kingdom comes the fourth kingdom of nature, which is human beings. Now, some would say, well, wait a minute. Why are you separating human beings? We're really just animals. We're the naked ape, right? Well, yeah, we're animals, but we're also plants. Look at your hair and the sap in your veins. We're also minerals. Did you get enough iron? Do you have iron-poor blood? Did you get enough copper and zinc and manganese and magnesium? And Did you get your minerals today? So each kingdom relies on the previous kingdom. It says it becomes more liberated. As life unfolds, you see a progression. And as we stood up, our hands became free to do other things. And then we developed an opposable thumb so that we could hold tools and use tools. And we also are different from animals. And this may be the meaning of being in the likeness and image of our creator. In that we have intuition. We have an ability, in fact, to look at our thoughts, to reflect upon the thought process, to detach and mindfully witness our thinking, to shift gears and to be more logical or less logical and more intuitive. As the most liberated, we've even left the planet and in my lifetime gone to the moon. 
and seen pictures of the earth from another place. Now, if you're not old enough to remember that and you were born at a time when people already had global consciousness, it's a little difficult to explain the impact in the late 60s and early 70s of seeing for the first time Earth from someplace else. Right. So those are the four kingdoms. What's the fifth kingdom? Well, in many wisdom philosophies, there is a concept of ascended masters, of the Great White Lodge, or the Great White Brotherhood. I don't usually use either of those terms because they bring up racial images and suggest that uh, white is superior. I mean, I think it was Muhammad Ali who once said, how come white cake is angel food cake and dark cake is devil's food cake, right? The allegory of white being pure and good and black or dark being shadowy, dangerous, and evil is truly unfortunate when it's laid over racial tensions and the ridiculously stupid tendency of far too many people to judge others based on skin color. Right? You don't do that with animals. You don't say, oh, the black cat is better than or inferior to the white cat or the mottled dog or the dappled horse is better than or it's just ridiculous, but we do it with people. And to confuse the effects of culture and especially poverty for race is just so ignorant to... to to fail to see, I mean, we even this uh, this hatred against uh, immigrants that's being trumped up by the right, or the fear of the of Islam and the Muslim community, not recognizing it's not Muslims, Muslims, <laughs> as they're called down south, that are terrorizing us. It's tribes of people trapped in middle age thinking who happened to have as their religion Islam, or the Muslim religion, the Quran. But of course, the vast majority of Muslims are not violent maniacs, just like the vast majority of Jews and Christians and other religious people are not maniacs, but there's a few in every religion, right? No nut like a religious nut. What is that about? Well, Suffice to say, that's, I don't want to get off on a long tangent here, but that's my issue with using this 19th century term for ascended masters, the Great White Lodge or the Great White Brotherhood. You come across this in Freemasonry. That's where the idea of the lodge comes from. Ascended masters that live in what a Christian would call heaven, which may in fact... I mean, you've heard of seventh heaven. What about sixth heaven or fifth heaven? Maybe there's an eighth heaven. The idea of 
subtle realms and other layers, not just simply heaven and earth, right? Um, and if heaven is, for a Christian, the home of the Son, is that also where the Father lives? Christians tend to ignore the Father aspect. By making Jesus equal to the Father, the Father gets lost. Jesus used to be called the Prince of Peace. Now they call him the King, the Lord. Well, wait a minute. If Christ is King, then what happened to the Father? When the only prayer Christ ever taught was to the Father. Never said, pray to me. That I am the way, but maybe that means behave the way I behave. Let me be an example for you of a better way to handle this. Bill Maher's commentary this past Friday, calling out Christians for not being pacifists, calling out Christians for celebrating the assassination of Osama bin Laden. Right? And how, how many Christians celebrated the murder of this guy. What happened to American innocent until proven guilty? What happened to justice? What happened to the courts? Are we that afraid? Really? Are we really that afraid? This is just some of what fear does to us. But our lesson today is intuition. And the idea that there is a fifth kingdom of nature is found in the mystery traditions of the world. Uh, a, a, a level of heaven in which conscious human souls that were once incarnated on this planet dwell with the express purpose of revealing insight to the most worthy human beings still in form. Insight and understanding. Now, it doesn't mean they have an agenda. The ascended masters or the fifth kingdom of conscious souls are not going to tell you what to do. That's not their job to help you by arranging circumstances so that you succeed, right? It's sort of like uh, I don't know if I can if I can use the allegory. You know, good parents will help their children with their homework, maybe ask questions and help lead them into a direction of understanding. But how do you help the kid if you do their homework for them? And so that's the way the spiritual hierarchy, if there is such a thing, I respect you, leave it to you, but you have to be exposed to it before you can consider it, and decide how you feel about this, and begin a practice of standing receptive to the fifth kingdom and even aspiring to enter the kingdom of conscious souls. Essentially, this is also called in Rosicrucianism, the third initiation. This is the opening of the heart chakra in Eastern philosophy. This is the point where you realize you are not the separated self that you appear to be, but much more than that. You are a a unit of consciousness, a perspective of the one life. And you understand there's only one of us here, one mind, one heart. That's incredible. 
to consider that, and simultaneously terrifying and liberating. So, you're here in the mystery school, you need to know one of the basic tenets of the mysteries of mysticism is this idea of absolute unity, not just one God that's separated and far away, but a transcendent reality that is everything imaginable and then some, and that everything is in this one life, and that it has many layers and levels, and there may be this fifth kingdom of conscious souls. Why not aspire to grow, to be conscious of yourself, not as a human with a soul, but as a soul that has extended itself into flesh for the purposes of enduring adversity and learning to use love to transform the negative into a positive, evil or fear into goodness or love the good, the true, and the beautiful. And so through relaxation, meditation, contemplation, mindfulness, you can enter a receptive state with calm emotional feelings and a quiet mind and reduce your resistance to receiving intuitive insights and understanding, not specific information, not the answers, and certainly not an agenda that's being imposed or even suggested, but ideas, big concepts regarding spiritual reality, regarding the nature of the self as a human being in form, apparently separated in a world of form, but also above and free of form. That's primarily what the intuition is in a mystery tradition, in a, in a sense of the mystical teachings of all cultures and all ages. Are there lower frequencies? Is there intuition that really is simply a unconscious recombination or permutation of what you've already known that suddenly bursts into your awareness? I'm sure there is. So I'm not suggesting that these, these bursts of insight, this aha, eureka illumination experience is always from the fifth kingdom of conscious souls or the ascended masters. It could just be your own subconscious mind saying, hey, would you quiet yourself and feel safe enough, long enough for me to communicate with you? But there may also be these higher levels. And how could you consider whether it's real or true, this idea of ascended masters or the fifth kingdom of conscious souls, if nobody talks to you about it? And I don't think CNN is going to tell you this. And you're not going to learn it on Desperate Housewives or American Idol. So you come to the mystery school. Thank goodness. Thank the goodness, the truth, and the beauty. <laughs> Another nice trinity. 
All right. So uh, I'm going to take the suggestion that I got this week to move the meditation ahead of your comments. If you want to quickly enter a comment on the text page, those of you who are with us live today rather than podcast, do so now. Enter your question, your comment. Keep it concise. Put your name and city in there and click the submit button so that I can see it. you got to click submit. I can't look over your shoulder. And if you're on the telephone or Skype, star 2, you'll get a voice prompting to confirm. Star 2 on the telephone touchpad will flag you, and I'll be able to open you up and, um, and talk to you that way. So let's just do a quick little meditation here to practice accessing our intuition. Those thoughts that arrive full-blown, the Eureka illumination that the ancient Greeks talked about, you know, the light bulb coming on. There are three things involved in any effective meditation. They all have to do with reducing external stimulus and feeling safe. The first is closing your eyes. That reduces brain activity by almost 90%. Simply close your eyes. It's also a message to the subconscious mind, to the amygdala in the brain in charge of fight or flight, that you're safe enough to close your eyes. There's no danger here. Number two, you're going to want to take a few slow, deep breaths. And number three, create and sense a feeling of relaxation in your body. Three messages to yourself, to the 90% of your brain or your mind that you leave on autopilot, that most people never switch into the manual mode. Three messages, I'm closing my eyes, Oh, I'm breathing slow, deep breaths, a sigh of relief. That's what the word nirvana means. Say, oh, that's the Buddhist heaven. Nirvana is a sigh of relief. <laughs> that's really, in the Pali language, even older than Sanskrit, that's what nirvana means. To let go and relax and feel safe. Ah, oh, right? And as you take a few slow, deep breaths and then allow your breathing to slow down and find a more natural rhythm, then you create, thirdly, and sense in your body muscles relaxing and unwinding. So get comfortable and do that now. A couple of head rolls and some shoulder shrugs. You can sit back if you'd like. If you want to sit up unsupported, think of yourself not as rigid, but rather as balanced. Put your shoulders back, open up your rib cage, head balanced on top of the spine, right down through the center of your being. Think of yourself as movable parts that are nicely balanced. And with your eyes closed, inhale through your nose, nice, big, slow, deep breath. Hold as you peek, and now... Uh, Feel the letting go. Do that a second time, a third time.
slow, deep breathing with your eyes closed. And as you exhale, ah, go loose, go limp. It won't fall over because you're nicely balanced. Imagine in every, in every joint in your body, loose and limp, muscles. You can actually feel muscles relaxing. If you'd like, you could tighten the muscles in your feet, in your calves, in your thighs, in your belly, tighter and tighter, and then let go all at once just to remember how that feels, and then do it again, even though it's a little more subtle. Feel the letting go. And then a nice add-on or adjunct is to use the mind's eye to awaken your imaginary senses. Think of yourself as wandering through a beautiful forest or a sunny meadow, whether high in a mountain or deep in a valley on a lonely seashore or in a prairie, a jungle or a forest, whatever occurs to you, a beautiful place of peace in nature, Maybe a beautiful garden that people have cultivated with flowers everywhere and the sunlight dancing as it comes down through the trees, glittering and sparkling, and maybe a little water, a little stream. You could hear the birds singing and the sound of the stream splashing happily, merrily down the hillside maybe a little pond or a lake. And you see, you're trusting your intuition. You may say, well, I, I feel like a sunny meadow full of wildflowers would be really where I'd like to be. And someone else, if we could get inside their heads, they say, oh, I'm in a cool, shady, enchanted forest. And there's little fairies and water sprites here. It's just so magical. And someone says, well, I don't know about you, but my intuition has me on this lonely stretch of beach. And I can hear the waves as they crash on the beach. And then the water recedes only to roll in again. And then you hold a problem in your head as you sit upon the earth in this place that has been selected for you by your intuition. And you trust those feelings. And hold in your mind gently, as if fragile, a concept from your daily life and affairs that is problematic for you, that's been troubling, a bit frustrating perhaps. Hold it gently as if fragile and wonder. It's a wonderful experience to be filled with wonder is wonderful. First you must wonder. Not demand or insist more than pondering, certainly not logically breaking it down. Ah, but by relaxing, you wonder. You walk all around the problem. 
you look at it from a different angle. You look down on it from above or get underneath it and look up at the problem. Maybe go inside the problem and wade through. And you sit here in this way as long as you wish. Five minutes might do. Fifteen or twenty minutes might serve you better. You can always come back to this place and repeat the process, maybe getting a little more feeling as if you're coming a little closer to realization and revelation each time. But notice there is no effort. There is the discipline of practice, but no effort. It's a letting go feeling. And when you get a realization, an insight, a hit, an understanding, an aha, look at it, embrace it, and tell yourself silently and internally, this will be easy to remember. I know I'll be able to remember this and apply this because, and tell yourself why it'll be easy to remember, mostly because you care about it, because it's important to you. That's what makes it easy to remember. And then take a moment to reorient yourself. Remember what you'll see in a moment when you open your eyes. Tell yourself again, and I will bring with me gently my insight, my awareness. Take a slow, deep breath, filling your lungs, and after holding for just a moment, begin to exhale slowly. And now, open your eyes, wide awake, alert, rested, refreshed, better than before, with a memory full of your insights and your understanding. Okay? Practice. Practice. Let's go to um, telephones, first of all, and uh, see what folks on the phone have to say. I've got Robert in West Los Angeles who wants to come on. Robert, you're in the Mystery School. Good afternoon from Maui. Uh, Aloha, Michael. Long time no talk to. Aloha, Robert. Welcome back. I missed the Mystery School, and I missed the last few Mystery Schools, but... uh... I did catch the last. Or just before you started the uh, the uh, guided meditation, I'm just wondering, did you? Because uh, I don't want to duplicate your efforts, but uh, thought something was worth mentioning, if you didn't mention it. But uh, in the morning, when you first wake up, if there's if somebody's had a problem on their minds. Or question they've been asking. We're often instructed in in the course of dream practice when we wake up, not to move, to sort of lay still. But this also serves to bring in cast a net, as you will, for the uh, intuitions that are going to come, the answers that are going to come to your questions that have been percolating during the night because all this goes to the right brain, the subconscious, and it's being worked on even though we're off in la-la land for eight or nine hours. And if we're still enough and we don't move, we just kind of kick back but not fall asleep. 
just be there in that semi-conscious state, watching the mind, listening to the mind, you'll hear all sorts of things come through, uh, which I'm sure you've done yourself over the years. I have, but I'm, I did not mention that today, and I'm glad you brought it up because um, just this morning I was having that experience. I, I woke up, as I often do, just before, you know, like three minutes before the alarm was set to go off. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I just laid there and felt my feelings that I had carried over from uh, a dreaming state and the awareness that we retain while we sleep. The mind's still churning and going on, of course, whatever plane we visit. And that's a very good point to work with. Uh, we'll do another program soon. We've done a few in the past. And it'd be a great idea to talk about uh, not just dreams and what do they mean, but incubating dreams, the nature of the astral, uh, and some of what's been said, not merely by pop psychologists, but by the masters of the wisdom about the dream state. And in many ways, we're closer to reality in the dream than we are in this illusion of uh, the material world. I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, not a problem. Exactly. The uh, So much of... Uh... I don't want to bash the new age. I, I, I've been criticized for doing that in the past. I've been a bad boy, but that's uh, what can I say? Sometimes bash uh, gently. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> words just fail me. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's that's uh, out there that just isn't. Uh, it's not that it's bad. It just misses the point completely. Dreams is a big one. Um, you know. You know, the, the, what's missed most often with the dream state, and you could probably talk about that in the, in the show as well, is that the the whole point of, of cultivating dream lucidity is so that you're present in a state of self-remembrance for those moments between the dreams. Because that's the look inside the gold mine paraphrased Jim Morrison, that state in between the dreams that's is fascinating. Key. That's what you're that's that's what you're trying to, to you're trying to cultivate the presence in the dream state so that you're awake if we want to use that paradoxical term. Lucid. <laughs> Lucid, awake, but it's a kind of it's a kind of wakefulness. I mean there you are awake in the dream while you're sleeping. Then you can learn to do that when you're awake. You can be awake when you're awake. <laughs> awake when you're awake, and you can recognize that state, um, which is which is the whole purpose of it. The 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 uh, t- to recognize what what we might call the clear light. That's you know that that fourth dimension, um, and of course the Tibetans expound on this uh, quite a bit. Um, if, if somebody's really interested in dreams, they should. Uh, I would highly recommend they look into all the Tibetan material. Um, Robert, I'm going to keep it short with you this okay. week. I'm trying to cut down the total length, and I'm, I'm going to get cut off at, at the half past mark here. So I'm going to let you go and um, go to some of the text questions. But I really appreciate you calling us, and nice to hear from you again. Hey, take care. Aloha.
Thank you. Mahalo and aloha. And uh, Robertson, West Los Angeles. I don't see any other hands from the telephone callers. We have quite a few people listening by web, and I'll just name a few. Uh, Phil Joffe in Canoga Park wants to know what happened to the video conference. Zorap, uh, they pulled the plug, Phil, and um, a friend of mine actually managed to contact the developer, and he was very short and curt and just said he's pursuing new opportunities. So I don't know, but it's been offline for a couple of weeks, the video conference service, and uh, it's likely they ran out of money or uh, bills need to be paid and they're not paying them, I don't know. But Zorap is no more. And I haven't decided what to do about teleconference. Um, Skype has a conference feature, but I believe it's limited to 10 people. So uh, stay tuned. We'll let you know more about that in the future. Um, but for now, no video conference on Thursday nights. In Los Angeles, Yvonne is with us. Great topic. And she said, I had trouble Thursday night with Zorop. Yep, now you know why we all did. Sorry about that, Yvonne. Judy Kraft in uh, the greater Los Angeles area says, Aloha, Michael. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. And uh, let's see. Who else do we have here? Um, Barnaby in Los Angeles says another great topic. As they say, 90% of every conversation is listening. And you once said, that you often have dental procedures without medication. So do you still practice this? And how can you relax so much to endure drilling without Novocaine? Yeah, we talked about that a little when we sampled the Finding Yourself in Paradise premium audio program at the top. If you missed that, listen to the podcast. The stream actually will be up a matter of two minutes after we end this. If you go to theagelesswisdom.com and click on Enter and then Webinars, minutes after we're done here, it's posted as a stream. And usually on Tuesday or Wednesday, the podcast will be up. You can subscribe to that if you haven't already through the iTunes store. Well, how do you do it? It's a practice. Um, it involves the same three components of any meditation, closing your eyes, um, the slow, deep breathing, and the feeling of letting go. And you have to have a dentist that's willing to cooperate with you, that understands what you're doing, so that they're not saying negative stuff. If you have a dentist that says to you, now this might hurt, <laughs> you know, you have to counteract that by saying, no, it won't, and go deeper and more relaxed. So you need to train your dentist sometimes. I had a dentist say to me once, well, what should I say instead if I want to caution you? I say, suggest to me that I that the procedure you're about to do, uh, because of this procedure you're about to do, I might want to go deeper and become more relaxed. He says, oh, I can do that. And a few minutes later, <laughs> he was doing this whole narrative about relaxation. It was really cool. He totally got on board with it. If you do feel pain and discomfort at the dentist, 
then the idea is to identify it, feel it, experience it, move into it, become aware of it, and then let go of it. So as we say in psychotherapy and hypnotherapy, you got to feel it to heal it. And the only way out is through. These are totally counterintuitive concepts, but that's the way you do it. And finally, I suggest you get training. I mean, that's what I'm for. I'm doing telephone counseling and happy to help you with your pain control needs at the dentist or accelerated healing, uh, any anxiety disorder, uh, depression, those kinds of things. I do telephone counseling, and that's how I make my living. So give me a call. My number's all over my website. In Los Angeles, 24-7 voicemail is 818-569-3017. 569-3017 in the 818 area code. It's voicemail, so call anytime. Bob Fiegel in Irvine is with us, says aloha. Becky, thanks again. Thank you, Becky. Patricia Vega in Los Angeles, thanks for a great class. Talked about one of my favorite subjects. Thank you, Patricia. It's about all the time we have. I'm trying to reduce the length of these programs, and I've set this thing up so it cuts me off at 11.30, 2.30 L.A. time. So we're just about there. I'm going to ease on out of here. Remember, you can listen to this streaming in just a matter of minutes at theagelesswisdom.com. Subscribe to the podcast at the iTunes store or at either of our sister websites. And set up a free account for yourself at least at focusedpassion.com. And um, consider subscribing. 99 cents for these studio-quality conversations with two human potential experts. Steve and I are pulling on collectively more than 70 years of experience as speakers and trainers in this wonderful field that has both personal and transpersonal, that is, spiritual implications. Why suffer the pain of anxiety and depression and meaninglessness when for a fraction of what you spend on a car, a tiny sliver of what you spend on a house, uh, uh, um, um, a, a little tiny bit of your food budget, <laughs> you can invest in your brain and in your heart to discover the magnificence of who you are. And the game is rigged. You're always going to like what you discover. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Join us next week. Aloha from Maui.